The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. I want to um, I want to begin this morning by thanking you for being here and giving me an excuse not to skip over having some morning meditation. <laughs> you know, the what I want excuse me. Talk about this morning is uh tenderness. Tenderness. And uh it it arises out of uh what I've been feeling, we're, we're, today is December 24th, 2019. Just about everything about that date surprises me. <laughs> I mean, if, we, if we start the, with the 2019 part, it's really. You know, I remember as a kid thinking that I wouldn't make it to the millennial change, right? <laughs> wow, 2019. And... and December, that means we've come to the end of this year also. And December 24th means we're deep into the holiday season in North America. And the holiday season inevitably brings up memories, expectations, hopes, fears. And we all feel a little bit like we have to relate to it. If you don't, hallelujah, and be grateful. <laughs> but it's hard to escape. No matter what your inclinations and intentions are, we are in the midst of the holiday season here. And it occurs to me that one of the things that arises is a sense of, of, of vulnerability that we have. Whatever form that vulnerability takes, it's there. And I want to talk about Kindness, kindness to ourselves, to others, to the world. So I'm going to start with an extremely familiar poem to some of you. But it struck me yesterday as relevant, so I'm going to read it. It's Kindness by Naomi Shihab Nye. Before you know what kindness really is, you must lose things. Feel the future dissolve in a moment like salt in a weakened broth. When you, what you held in your hand, what you counted and carefully saved, all this must go so you know how desolate the landscape can be between the regions of kindness. How you ride and ride, thinking the bus will never stop, the passengers eating maize and chicken will stare out the window forever before you learn the tender gravity of kindness. You must travel where the Indian in a white poncho lies dead by the side of the road. You must see how this could be you. How he was someone who journeyed through the night with plans and the simple breath that kept him alive. Before you know kindness as the deepest thing inside, you must know sorrow as the other deepest thing. You must wake up with sorrow. You must speak to it till your voice catches the thread of all sorrows 
and you see the size of the cloth. When it is only kind, then it is only kindness that makes sense anymore. Only kindness that ties your shoes and sends you out in the day to mail letters and purchase bread. Only kindness that raises its head from the crowd of the world to say, it is I you have been looking for. And then goes with you everywhere, like a shadow or a friend. Before you know what kindness really is, you must lose things. Feel the future dissolve in a moment like salt in a weakened broth. What you held in your hand, what you counted and carefully saved, all this must go so you know how desolate the landscape can be between the regions of kindness. How you ride and ride, thinking the bus will never stop. The passengers eating maize and chicken will stare out the window forever. Before you learn the tender gravity of kindness, you must travel where the Indian in a white poncho lies dead by the side of the road. You must see how this could be you. How he too was someone who journeyed through the night with plans and the simple breath that kept him alive. Before you know kindness as the deepest thing inside, you must know sorrow as the other deepest thing. You must wake up with sorrow. You must speak to it till your voice catches the thread of all sorrows and you see the size of the cloth. Then it is only kindness that makes sense anymore. Only kindness that ties your shoes and sends you out into the day to mail letters and purchase bread. Only kindness that raises its head from the crowd of the world to say, it is I you have been looking for. And then goes with you everywhere, like a shadow or a friend. When I first started thinking about this topic this yesterday, <laughs> I was thinking about um, how kindness means different things to different people. <clears throat> you know, sometimes kindness can be um, unselfishness, right? We think, if I'm being kind, I'm being unselfish. Does that include kindness toward yourself? What is it? How do we exercise it? What does it mean? What is our intention? And what is the outcome we're looking for? So I'm not going to tell you to go out and be kind, like it's one more thing that has to go on your list of things you're trying to get into, squeeze into the day. Rather, I want you to think of kindness as the tenderness that allows you to be here and feel what it is you're feeling. That kind of kindness. I want to talk about tenderness for and with our, within ourselves, the being gentle with ourselves, the kindness of how we are with other people, tenderness in terms of our sensitivity, that, you know, we, when... when uh, when we have a bruise, we say it's tender. We're, we're, you know, it's just a more sensitive place, and when we hit that bruise, we really notice it. That kind of sensitivity. And tenderness as a way of being open-hearted. Tenderness as a way of not protecting ourselves from our own sense of vulnerability. You know, it, it's, it's cold out here in the, in the Northern Hemisphere right now. And it's easy for that cold to kind of settle in. You know, I, I'm, uh, I'm older. 
And what I've noticed is that my body furnace doesn't work like it used to. And when I get cold, it's really hard to warm back up. I mean, I get a chill. I'll be sitting at my desk. And all of a sudden, I realize my, my fingers are icy. And that iciness is everywhere. And it takes a lot of time to, to warm myself back up. I mean, literally, it seems like I should go take a hot shower or something. Turning on a heater isn't going to really do it. I'm chilled to the bone. Very often, we walk through life chilled to the bone. It sneaks up on us, and we don't notice that we're not sensing the world around us, that we're not sensing ourselves in that world. We're just chilled. You know, so, so what I do now is I, I take precautions. You know, I always make sure I have a, you know, something here. I have an extra sweater in case it was cold here and I got cold. <laughs> it's a precaution. I have it so I can put it on when I first sense cold coming on so that I don't get that deep chill. And our practice is like that. Our practice is something that we have kind of with us. And the practice of noticing, in particular, is a way of not letting that chill seep in and take over and numb us, numb us. Sometimes we deliberately numb ourselves. What I'm speaking of here is the accidental numbing of our sensitivity that occurs when we just, we let iciness, protectiveness, fear of something stand in the way of what we're sensing, our ability to sense and feel what's happening. Now, I said this was kind of a dangerous period, this period of holidays, because we all have feelings of um, fear, fear, fear of inadequacy. Uh, somebody's not going to like what I do. Somebody's not going to like the present. I don't actually have enough money to give somebody a present. I don't, can't do exactly what I'd like to do. There are all kinds of fears that arise because this is the time of year that we often exchange presents. <sighs> yeah, I've experimented with only giving presents at other times of the year, but, you know, it doesn't free me from what happens I live in this world. I live in this society. So I have, to, I have to look at that. I have to face that. I have to be prepared for that. We have fears of I'm not good enough. Especially if we see family we haven't seen for a while. And we, we really want their approval. Why? <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of inbred. <laughs> We have, we have fears that they're not going to see us, that they're going to think we are the person we were because they don't know all the things that have happened. Other people don't know what's happened in our hearts and our lives. They don't know us anymore if they haven't seen us. And even if, even if they've been traveling along with us, they don't see the changes that have most affected us because they're, they're stuck in some vision of us that used to be. Or we're stuck in some vision of what we used to be. That happens. Oh, well, so, um, you know, I used to be a big-time manager, and I'm really proud of being able to multitask and manage lots of things and, and plan resources and 
I'm discovering I'm just not as good at it as I used to be. And to the extent that I identify with that very organized, totally competent person, I suffer. When in fact, I don't even have the same values I used to have when that was important to me. So clinging to that idea of myself or of someone else. Well, we know, for example, somebody's coming to a celebration that my family's having tonight. And we told another person. And both of these people have traditionally joined our families for you know, 20 years or something. And the, the second one said, oh, well, she'll be late. And the truth is, she will be late. <laughs> but it's interesting to, to see how quickly people adhere to a vision and a perception And what if she comes early? Won't everyone be surprised? Our own expectations of other people, of ourselves, can lead to to pain and disappointment. We're sure we know how things should be. This is one of my favorites. This is one that for years I was guilty of. I know exactly what's going to make this perfect. Of course, nobody else has read my agenda. Nobody else has read my plan. Nobody else actually has the same vision that I have. And why do I have that vision? Because there's some emotional attachment in me, something that succors me, that makes me feel happy. And I say, oh, if this is true, everyone's going to be happy. A lot of assumptions there a lot of misgivings, a lot of misinterpretations and misspeaking happens. First of all, we're so sure that if we control conditions that everything will be wonderful. We forget that we don't control conditions. We just don't. At my most competent, I did not control conditions. Because everyone arrives into this room with their own set of life experiences and moments. And then there's the fear that if we're alone this time of year, this is proof of our inadequacy. Have you ever wanted to just be alone? (laughs) When everybody else wants to be together? I have. I remember I was quite young when I first moved to San Francisco. And uh, I came from a family that always celebrated on December, the evening of December 24th. Big deal, big family thing. And I was alone in my apartment in San Francisco. And I was broke. I mean, broke. I had Lipton soup, you know, those little packages that they used to have. I don't know if any of you are old enough to know those, but that's what I was living on at the time. I had, I had an apartment, and I was lonely. And I called my family at the height of their celebration. And people were yelling in the background, and somebody was fighting with something else. And I said, oh, I'm so glad I don't have to be there navigating that right now. It was such a revelation to me that the being alone wasn't the problem. 
The problem was that I thought it meant something. I thought it meant something. There's fear of missing out. There's fear of not fitting. There's fear of so much fear. If we can say, if we can look at that fear and touch that fear and let that fear touch us, we are actually feeling something that's quite magnificent. What, what happens when you feel vulnerable? What do you do? How do you react to a feeling of vulnerability, a potential for pain? You know, there are lots of possible, possible responses. One is uh, uh, denial. No. I, I don't care about that anyway. Mm-mm, not me, I don't care. Just total denial. Sometimes there's a feeling of, okay, I'm just going to avoid it. I'm just not going to let myself be in this situation. There are all kinds of mechanisms that we invent for ourselves. Or we have a strategy plan. Well, as soon as Edith says, here's what I'm going to do. Or we're, we're, uh, we're aggressive. Okay, I'm going to take control of this right now. What, what, is, what is your response to feeling tender? To having that feeling of, oh, there's a potential here for something to not be what I want. For wanting things to be other than they are. For feeling loss. Around holidays, people very often remember people who aren't there. And the strangest things will set it off. Uh, My mother died when I was 12. And one of the things that I remember from before then was that we always decorated a tree with these little light ornaments that had uh, tubes with some sort of fluid in it that would bubble. It was like there were candle decorations and the bubbles would go up. And I remember as a little girl being fascinated by those bubbles going up in the tube. And when I see those, immediately I have a sense of loss of my mother. That's just an emotional connection that I carry with me. And how I respond to that emotional hit of my mother, remembering my mother is not here, determines how I'm going to be in that moment. I can have the response of, oh, poor me. I can have the response of, oh, wasn't that the most perfect Christmas ever? You know, whatever kind of enlargement and drama associated with the moment or I can just oh mom let it be that alone the memory can trigger this moment I don't have to leap into a story about it I can just let it be oh oh I felt that I felt that the thing about tenderness is that it's actually the source of our ability to navigate this time of year. Our willingness to feel what we feel keeps us honest. It keeps us in the moment. 
it makes the feelings of others more accessible to us. We don't feel like we have to protect ourselves against that neighbor who is so needy. Because we recognize the neediness in ourselves also. And we could say, oh yeah, I know that feeling. I know that feeling. Tenderness is the home of empathy. The ability to know what another person is feeling. The ability to know what we are feeling. How often do you get it wrong? I do. I know. I'll think, oh, well, that had to be, this is what's happening. And I give it a name. And I stop being here, and I'm off in the story. And then it suddenly occurs to me, it wasn't about that at all. It was really about something else. So, you know, I I went to a, a party the other night that someone threw and uh, it was an extremely elaborate party. She really went to a lot of work. And she was totally unprepared for people to begin arriving. And she had a plan. You know, there were going to be hors d'oeuvres, and then there was going to be this large meal. And some people arrived thinking they were going to eat immediately. Plus, you know, she just wasn't ready. There were two totally mismatched perceptions of what was supposed to happen at the party and what would make people happy. So the the hostess thought that she had a plan for conviviality. And and one of the arriving people just couldn't believe she was so insensitive to the fact that they had to eat at this time of day and they couldn't be eating at 8 o'clock. And then I watched myself. I watched my mind wanting to take sides. Oh, that's rude. Or how could she not have seen this? Or, you know, right? So the, the mind was busy trying to say, take sides. And then suddenly it occurred to me that neither of these people had ill will in mind. They both had goodwill in mind, actually. And they were both very friendly. And, and I was friendly also. And that there was actually nothing that had to be fixed. And certainly not that I was responsible for fixing it. And I was able to just see all of those things, all of those perceptions that people had of things, how it should be, that it would be perfect and everybody would be happy. Instead of just allowing a certain amount of stress and unhappiness to be there at this party. Why not? It's here. It's just here. And, and the ability to suddenly see that there wasn't something there for me to fix was very freeing. I had a wonderful party. <laughs> I could support anybody that needed supporting, and I could just be there. And it was so strange just to see, oh, just the way it is, it's fine. It's fine. It doesn't have to be better than it is. And it doesn't have to match anybody's idea. This moment is fine. Thank goodness for this moment. It wasn't necessary for it to be fixed. A couple of days ago, uh, the mother of a friend of mine, mother-in-law of a friend of mine died. 
and was an expected death. She was very ill. And they had been to visit her uh, just a couple of weeks ago. So they'd seen her recently. But she died. And there was somehow a tacit belief that they weren't going to feel it because it was so expected. I don't know why. Of course they're going to feel it. Of course they are tender. No matter what happens, they have continued with their lives, they have lots of plans, they're going out later. And, you know. But right here now, there is a loss that has to be met. It's not like a surprise loss, but it's still a loss. There's still something that is not here that was here before. And allowing the loss into the room is extremely important. You don't have to sit around and, and say, well, I should be grieving. It's not that. Or I should, I should cancel all my plans because this happened. No. You allow what is here to be here along with everything that really doesn't have to be happy. A lack of suffering is not the same thing as everything is golden. A lack of suffering is the being with things just as they are. It is tenderness that is the root of equanimity. It is your ability to feel that is the root of equanimity. That elusive ah, satisfaction and balance Tenderness is the root. The ability to feel. To feel your own happiness, pain. Why would you develop a callus so that you can't even feel being happy? So that you miss joy? Mm, Not worth it. So how do you live with your own tenderness? How do you live with your own tenderness? How do you meet it? Do you show up anyway? Your own brokenness? Do you congratulate yourself for showing up anyway? Why not? There's a certain amount of, ah, I can I can be here. It is very healthy and skillful. I can do I'm here. It is always a delightful surprise to me when I have the thought, I am here. You know, when we're feeling particularly sensitive is when we pick up things that we ordinarily don't have access to. It's also a time when we've let our guard down. And the potential for being hurt exists. So, so can, we, can we do that? Can we say, okay, it's, it's quite possible somebody's going to hurt me. <laughs> Not looking for it or expecting it, 
But when it comes saying, ow, that hurt. That hurt. Or to notice that you're feeling uh, maybe a little emotional or feeling a little tentative. This isn't about being something other than you are. Can you say to yourself, and maybe to someone else, I've done this with my husband actually, I'll say, you know, I'm feeling really ragged today. My intentions are good, but I'm a little, you know, I don't know. <laughs> and, and yesterday we were, or the day before, we were pre- preparing something, and I could see we were on a collision course because I'm somebody that has to have a clean workspace. And it just, uh, if he decides he wants to clean, he'll usually start putting soapy water in the in the sink when I'm trying to clean vegetables. Irritation happens. So the other day, I realized he was about to start using this open water thing. (laughs) And I turned to him and I said, you know, if you're about to help me by doing this, I have to tell you, you have a high likelihood of irritating me. (laughs) And he looked at me like, I give up. And why wouldn't he? You know, he's really trying to help. But because we know each other pretty well now, he actually appreciated the warning. Okay, she warned me that this is, this is a possible intersection that we're not going to be happy with. So he left the room, and three minutes later he came back, and I'd cleared the space I wanted, and everything was fine. He could wash his stuff in the sink. You know, it doesn't take much. If you admit, admit to yourself, oh, this is really going to be hard right here, Sometimes telling somebody, this is really hard right here, right now. Now, you know, you run the risk. You always run risks that they don't take that the way you intend it. That you're saying that you're excusing yourself in advance. But I prefer to think of it as really seeing how am I in this moment. Sometimes I am so incredibly generous that it just doesn't matter what happens. And other times, I am not the font of generosity. And it's important for me to know what's showing up here. So that I can compensate for it. So it doesn't become somebody else's responsibility. I discovered that my unhappiness around holidays was exclusively my problem. It wasn't because people weren't doing what would normally in any normal person be expected. It's that they didn't know what my vision was. They didn't know what my issues were. And they were, in fact, my issues. I had to look at that and say, oh, you know, if it isn't so important to me that I have, you know, this meal item, I can relax around that. And guess what? Nobody knows it was even an issue, much less that I gave it up. I just let go of it. It's importance. Give yourself some space. And what happens when you give yourself some space is you end up giving other people space too. And then there are fewer collisions. (laughs) Fewer collisions. 
The other day I went to the uh, Steinberg Planetarium, which I've never done before. So it's this lovely planetarium at Cal Academy. And they have a, a display where they, they locate you in the starscape, right? So you're, 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 in the, you're, you're on the Earth, and then you're in the Milky Way, or you're around the sun, and then you're in the Milky Way, and then you're in the, next to the Andromeda, and then you're in the um, something cluster, Uh, And so it just, and you get further and further and further and further and further away. And, you know, the the universe is immense. It's immense. But rather than feeling insignificant, I actually felt like I was a piece of something immense. That just for that moment, I was a speck of everything right there. It was amazing. A speck of stardust, a blink of stardust, because I was a blink of stardust. That's, that's amazing. Sitting in this room, you know, we're, we're, we're busy touching all of these solid, hard things that are in this room, and we don't have that sense of immensity from somewhere far away. And it, we tend to put too much importance on, you know, this body, these legs that I walk on, this bottom that I'm sitting on, these eyes that I'm seeing with. And we think this is me. But what, what is me is just happening now. It's not what happened yesterday or it's going to happen tomorrow. The sense of being in this moment is a speck of stardust, a blink of stardust. If we can live in that realization of total impermanence, all of these things that are so important lose their power. Just here, just now, in this moment, totally occupying this brief moment in time and space. Totally occupying right here. Take your hand and and touch. Notice. Notice just the amazing ability to touch. It's truly amazing. And it will never happen just this way again to you or anyone else. It is totally unique. It's in and it's out. That touch, that sound. It's in, it's out, it's gone. And it is amazing. And we can live in that amazement without becoming something else. Without becoming uh, apathetic or unmeaning or unfeeling. This moment is the epitome of impermanence. And nothing bad happened to us in this room in that moment. (laughs) And in fact, there's a little bit of, you know, effervescence to that. Huh. It doesn't mean that all of the things that we care about are not out there to be taken care of. But it does mean that we have the capability of experiencing experiencing tenderness, not thinking about it, but being tender. Hmm. 
being sensitive, being here. There is um, there's a little booklet here. I don't know if I've shown this to you before. This is uh, a booklet called Clarity and Calm for Busy People by Ajahn Suchito, S-U-C-I-T-T-O. You can download this online by just putting his name in and Clarity and Calm. I keep this on my desk because I can pick it up at any moment when I'm feeling particularly dull or stressed or somehow out of touch, not scabbed over, not sensitive, I'll pick this up. And in one section, it talks about resting in the here and now, resting in the here and now, which is kind of what we're talking about. And he has a couple of steps. He says, the first thing you do is gather your energy. And that gathering the energy is sort of an enhancement of what it means to, exp- to feel your own tenderness. And you start by just taking a breath and, and feeling the flow of energy in your body. Being aware of the flow of energy in your body. This is gathering the energy. Just seeing what it is. It's slow. It's fast. It's sluggish. It's erratic. Feeling the energy in your body. And then the second step is gathering your thoughts. Notice that the thoughts are what the thoughts are doing. They're running away, they're planning, they're don't think about what the thoughts are thinking about, but it's another just noticing the passage. Thoughts are happening, thinking is happening. Oh, there's anxiety in those thinking. Noticing, gathering those seeing those thoughts, just the energy of the thoughts. So you gather the energy in the body, gather the thoughts. And then gather the heart. How am I right now? How am I right now? That's all. Just, you know, inquire. Don't spend a lot of time analyzing it. Just inquire. How am I now? How am I? And then finally, allowing it to be true. Ah. My energy is pretty calm, pretty, moving pretty slowly. My thoughts are a little scattered, a little scattered, but I'm here in the room now. I'm feeling a little tentative, feeling a little tentative. Okay, we have slow-moving thinking here. I'm here, I'm a little tentative. Oh, that's how it is. And just rest there, not for a long time, we're busy people. Just, just that. That's enough. We stay grounded. We stay in the, this space. And there is peace in that space. That moment of just resting in the here and now. I mean, it's nice to do that on a long retreat, but we can do that today too. Just here. Be kind. Be kind to yourself. Allow what is true for you to be true. Ah, this is what's true. You can fix yourself up later. Allow it to be true. Here's it. Show up for yourself. 
in this showing up for yourself, you will show up for the people around you. Realize if you're feeling tentative. I have no idea what any of you in this room feel right now. That's an important realization. I can't actually make assumptions about you. I probably have a lot of ideas, but I can't really know what's going on for you. And when I realize that, I can wonder what's going on for them. Just as I ask myself, how are you now? I can ask each of you, how are you now? What's going on? And just know that I don't know. There's space in that. There's space for each of us. And there is no room for judgment. Because it's a realization, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. I urge you to consider consider tenderness as a way of being. Try it out. Tenderness for and within yourselves. Tenderness toward the other people that you encounter. Tenderness that results in increased sensitivity to yourself and to those around us. That feeling, encourage yourself to actually know what's happening. Step out of all the stories and plans and just be with that, whatever it is, the texture of the moment. Explore tenderness as a possibility for an open heart. Know that you can always retreat, but you can't always open up. It takes practice. We have a lot of the other kind of practice. So I'm going to close with the second poem by the same poet. It made sense yesterday. I hope it still does. So this is So Much Happiness by Naomi Shihab Nye. It is difficult to know what to do with so much happiness. With sadness, there's something to rub against. A wound to tend with lotion and cloth. When the world falls in around you, you you have pieces to pick up. Something to hold in your hands like ticket stubs or change. But happiness floats. It doesn't need you to hold it down. It doesn't need anything. Happiness lands on the roof of the next house, singing and disappears when it wants to. You are happy either way. Even the fact that you once lived in a peaceful treehouse and now live over a quarry of noise and dust cannot make you unhappy. Everything has a life of its own. It, too, could wake up filled with possibilities of coffee cake and ripe peaches. And love even the floor which needs to be swept, the soiled linens, and scratched records. Since there is no place large enough to contain so much happiness, you shrug, you raise your hands, 
and it flows out of you into everything you touch. You are not responsible. You take no credit as the night sky takes no credit for the moon, but continues to hold it and share it and in that way be known. So much happiness. It is difficult to know what to do with so much happiness. With sadness, there's something to rub against, a wound to tend with lotion and cloth. When the world falls in around you, you have pieces to pick up, something to hold in your hands like ticket stubs or change. But happiness floats. It doesn't need you to hold it down. It doesn't need anything. Happiness lands on the roof of the next house singing and disappears when it wants to. You are happy either way. Even the fact that you once lived in a peaceful treehouse and now live over a quarry of noise and dust cannot make you unhappy. Everything has a life of its own. It, too, could wake up filled with possibilities of coffee cake and ripe peaches and love even the floor which needs to be swept, the soiled linens, and scratched records. Since there is no place large enough to contain so much happiness, you shrug, you raise your hands, And it flows out of you, into everything you touch. You are not responsible. You take no credit as the night sky takes no credit for the moon, but continues to hold it and share it, and in that way be known. May you all experience the joy of this moment, this tender moment. And may the happiness flow out of you, wherever it arises. Thank you for your time. So, does anybody have any comments? So we have a few minutes before we go rushing off to whatever has to happen today. Feel free to rush off. May you all be happy.